right, we made it, guys. We are the top top one percent of podcasts, right? Because this is only because it's episode twenty one, and most it. most podcasts don't make it even past one. <laughs> now we can quit. I know. All good. <laughs> We've met our our goal, and then we're done. Right. <laughs> nah. yeah. Goal we didn't even know we had. <laughs> yeah. Episode 18 was when we realized, hey, like 20 is like a milestone. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. So I appreciate everyone watching and listening, but this is episode 21. And with uh, Ben from Holler Homestead, Al from Lumna Anchors, and myself, Jason, from Sow the Land. And today we're uh, just turning, hitting record and, and just talking about our week because I think we all got, you know, we all got pretty busy weeks this weekend. And uh, I, I think we're going to not have a topic, but the topic is. What did we do this week, <laughs> this past week? Um, so, yeah, I know Ben has some exciting stuff to share. <laughs> okay, I guess I can go first then. Man, like where to start? Uh, so really, like I could go over the week and 90% of the week was just like prepping and getting ready. But this past weekend, we had the first of three classes that we are putting on uh, this fall and winter. Um, I did a, uh, it's basically a how to, how to eat a pig, how to butcher and process your own animal on your homestead. Um, basically the way I taught is the way we do it for our family. Um, you know, I've, I've picked this up over the past five years and I, I really, really truly enjoy it. I feel like I've kind of found my calling. I absolutely love you know, take raising an animal and then being able to provide food for my family. So uh, that's what this class was. We uh, we sold tickets. We had about, oh, like 10 students or something like that um, per class. Uh, the first class is a two-day class. Well, I guess they're all two-day classes. Um, day one, we do the outdoor stuff, which is the, um, you know, you put the animal down, um, it's the evisceration part of that, uh, how to handle it, what to do with it. Um, we we like to do the scald and scrape. Um, we actually do eat the skin. Um, we make pork rinds out of the skin. So it's really, it's kind of a respect thing. Um, we feel that, you know, kind of, kind of the road we went down was uh, we don't agree with the broken food system and the way commercial farming operations treat animals. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like I, we kind of went down the vegan road a little bit, but the truth is that's <laughs> kind of what, what it was. And so where we're at with it is if something has to die to feed us, then we'll take the responsibility and do it ourselves. And so the animals live a great life. Uh, they only have one bad day. Um, and, you know, Jason was there. That pig was dead before it hit the ground. So, uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, well, it, it, I, I would argue they have they have two bad days if they're male, like, you know, castrating <laughs> day, and then and then when you put them in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, two two bad days if if it's a going to be a borrow. But uh, yeah, we try to make sure the the bad days are kept to a minimum. Uh, but yeah, so then you know it's uh, on to the evisceration and the scald and the scrape and all that. And now that I think we've got our system dialed in, I bought that, that 
Harbor Freight overhead hoist. Man, that was a game changer. Even with the problems we had with it, uh, word, word to the wise, if, if you are uh, going to be uh, buying a Harbor Freight winch, maybe look into uh, deleting the safety features on it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that on, on this <laughs> podcast, but that was the only hangup we had. Um, just the way the thing was hanging, every time you put a load on it, the crane would kind of pivot. And the safety feature would lock up and we weren't allowed to go any higher. So, you know, I had to reach up and pull on the little, you know, overload arm to uh, allow the thing. back and forth kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of frustrating because, you know, I've got, I've got this group of people standing here like, come on, what are we doing? I'm like, hold on. (laughs) This is like jank is all get out. But I'm actually glad stuff like that happens because that's real life. Um, you know, everything can't it's a just teaching be opportunity. perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So it was like, once we got done and we figured out how to move on from there, you know, everything went, everything went smooth. Um, you know, the water cooled down on the first pig. This was a just under 300 pounds. It was like 298 pounds. I think was the first pig. Um, and it cooled down the water a lot. So when we dunked the second half, the water had cooled down. So I got to, you know, show everybody what you do, you know, don't panic. So it, it was a good class. Um, and then, you know, of course, day two, we show how we cut the pig. Jason, I kind of wish you'd been there day two. You, you missed out on the food. So what we did with day two oh, was we basically, sh- we showed how we eat a pig. So, uh, after, you know, we did the, the first pig, cause this is a two pig workshop, um, cut up the first pig. Uh, and we're about, we we're most of the way done with the, the second pig. And we, we sat down and we had a big meal made out of all of the things that you have to deal with if you're doing it yourself. So we eat the head, we eat the liver, we eat, you know, as much of this pig as we can eat. So we served, uh, we like to make scrapple out of the bones. We take the bones and boil them down and make pork stock. At the same time, that frees up the meat off the bones. Uh, we take that meat and Meg makes scrapple, um, which is it's kind of like a cornmeal and meat blended up. And you put it in a loaf, slice it, and fry it. It's real, real good. We eat it, eat it with breakfast all the time. Uh, so we served scrapple. We served head cheese. We served liver pate. We served uh, riettes. Uh, I think the only thing that wasn't a hit was probably the liver pate, just because, I mean, liver's kind of a strong flavor if you're just eating just liver. Uh, And then we served pork rinds. Like Meg fried up pork rinds right there uh, for everybody. Those were a hit. I think the, the most awesome thing about the whole weekend was when everybody's headed out the door and they're getting ready to head home. And just about everybody in that class was like, I feel like I could go home and do this now. I was like, yes, that that's, that's that's worth, that's worth being tired. That's worth all of the, the hassle of like getting everything ready and the nerves and being nervous that I'm going to screw up. That's worth it. It was really, it was really cool. And you guys ate the pig. One of the pigs that you guys killed the previous day. Is that, is that what you cooked? So we processed a pig the week prior. We just did it, just our family, just me and the boys and Meg. And uh, 
basically what that did was that kind of it preloaded the the system so we had some pork <laughs> uh, that was another thing we did too we for dinner saturday night we did pulled pork so the weekend prior um i processed i guess it would be pig number seven uh on the list of <laughs> all of them that needed to go this this winter um and from that we got liver and that's where the liver pate came from uh, we got a head so that's where the head cheese came from um and then all the bones from that pig turned made our scrapple all the skin from that pig made pork rinds so uh, that was what we were able to eat at the class and we got to show people you know this is this is what we do this is how you you use just about everything but the oink uh, it's it's kind of a really it's a cool cool way to to eat um and a lot of these foods like we do really eat we didn't make these foods just for the class we made these foods because this is what we eat uh when when you're living this life if you if you like food at all there's a whole world of possibilities that open up when all of a sudden it's like hey we have to deal with this liver today hey we have this head we have to deal with this today like what do we do with all these bones you know all that stuff those are all questions that you know you could go out and we could burn the bones and you know throw the bone dust on the garden you know we'll probably do that after the very end um you know we make we make pork stock and we get the scrapple well there's still bones and so usually what i do at the very end of the road with those bones is i'll take them and i'll either make charcoal out of them or burn them until they turn into ash and i save that and i use that as a calcium supplement for the garden so i mean we are using everything we can um about the only thing we don't do is we don't save the intestines and you know turn them inside out and use them as casing um there's some things that it's just like we could do but sitting there and yeah, scraping battles yeah pick your battles <laughs> sitting there and scraping intestines to uh wash them and clean them and stuff them and make sausage that's one of those things where it's like okay i know how to do it <laughs> but we'll just order some pork <laughs> casings it's all good yeah, it's right. a lot of work for it sure. is a lot of work so yeah we uh we got our our recharge time on sunday and a little bit today uh and uh, i think we're we're ready to go we're ready we're ready for the next class uh i have a whole list of things that uh just kind of gauging gauging the group of people the students uh things that i can show things that i can do better um i'm, I'm really excited for it this was a cool experience it's kind of weird like teaching i guess that that's kind of weird um i didn't i've never thought of myself as a teacher even though i've had a lot of people say hey you're pretty good at teaching you should do this so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I think it's easy to teach something that you care about, something you love. Um, you're just like doing your thing and bringing people along. Oh yeah, that helps. You gotta you gotta love it. I think. Now, is anybody did anybody have a pig to butcher this year themselves? Or that the first uh, let's see. There was uh, I think a guy named Shane. He said he's got one coming up. I think there was three people in the class that said they had pigs that they were doing, you know, within a month. Um, yeah, there's a couple people. A couple people had kunikunis that they're getting ready to do, um, and 
you know, as everybody made it home, they sent out emails, you know, saying, Hey, thanks for the class. And this was cool. And now I feel like I can do my pig. And it's just like, it's really good to hear. It's like, kind of, kind of makes me proud a little bit, makes me happy. Um, I mean, the last thing I want to do is like, I don't know, do something to intimidate someone to where they're like, yeah, that's, that's a bit much. I don't know if I could do that. Uh, you know, right. knock on wood. I, I don't necessarily want something to go wrong while we're doing the class, but at the same time, it would all, it would be okay if something did go wrong just so we can like, Hey, it's your crane broke. Okay. Now what? Well, now we're going to pour hot water on the pig and scrape it on the ground. That kind of situation. Um, you learn yep. from your mistakes and your challenges. You have to learn to overcome. So yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for the next one. I'm I'm super excited. How much did the second pig weigh? The first one weighed almost 300. Oh gosh, the second pig was a guinea <laughs> hog. Um, all right, so the first pig was a uh, it was a cross. It was a mutt. Uh, it's like a Hampshire, Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc. I mean, it it's like it's like six or seven different breeds all put together. So it's it's a fast growing pig. Uh, yeah, that one was 300. The American Guinea hog. Well, let me, let me finish that thought. The, uh, the crossbreed feeder pig, uh, was five months old. The American Guinea hog wow. was 15 months old and it weighed a hundred and it was 149 pounds. I think is what it was. It was like a buck 50. So yeah. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't even big enough to be technically called a hog. To be called a hog, it has to be over 160. How is like the meat comparison side by side, color wise and everything? Did everybody like to see that the difference between? Yeah, there was a few comments. People people noticed the uh, the guinea hog had a lot redder meat. Um, I did notice a lot yep. of people. You know, the the main thing people said was, "Holy Moses, that is a lot of fat." Those guinea hogs were quite fat. Um, something I think was interesting too, you know, even though these guinea hogs were 15 months old, as far as that breed goes, that's still kind of a baby. Um, I know these pigs just came into breeding age this past summer, you know, right around the year old mark. I guess they were just really, really young pigs, um, because everything on that pig was so soft when, like I, when I picked up the, the half, the side of pork uh, to put it in the uh, cool trailer, um, like the spine snapped. I've never had a pig do that. Like it was just like their bones were soft. Their their all of their tissue was soft. Maybe it's you know usually I raise my pigs out in the woods. Um, these ones were raised in a pen. You know I basically tried to do the guinea hogs like feeder pigs just because I wanted to see. Um, and yeah, so far that's that's two guinea hogs that we've processed now that. They're both really, really soft inside and out. Um, so I don't know. Just interesting. It's you know the more the more we do this, the more I'm learning. The more uh, I can I can share with other people and be like, well, here's my experience. Uh, seems like guinea hogs raised in a uh, a pen and just fed feed and not a whole bunch of forage. Seems like they kind of come out kind of squishy and fat. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> How thick was the fat on the back on the guinea hogs, you think? Uh, <laughs> they probably had over two inches of fat. 
cloud. It was it was a lot. The loin on the guinea hog was maybe two and a half, three inches at the biggest. Uh, whereas the uh, the big feeder pigs, you know, it was like it was a huge tenderloin. It was like five inches. Yep. So or not tenderloin, loin. Yeah. So it was it was cool being able to show people, you know, the difference. Uh, I guess there's there's a few things. I, I guess I wish the guinea hogs were a little bit bigger, so it was a more of a fair comparison. Uh, you know, that side by side thing. What's cool. the average age usually for a guinea hog to get butchered? You think? Anytime we've done them, they've been around the two-year mark, you know, 24 months. Okay. Um, I think we've done one at 18 months, and it was it was a little farther along. Yeah, I I think, you know, now having done this, we'll finish up these, uh, these guinea hogs that we got slated for the freezer. And I think we'll try to get on a system where we can, we'll only do guinea hogs 24 months and older. Um, I know our boar, he's... Uh, He's right around two years now. He's probably pushing three hundred pounds himself. He's a he's a big old guy. So, oh wow, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely let him get a little bit bigger. But that was that was pretty that was much good. it. I'm curious to hear hear how your guys' weeks were. Yeah, so I was at day one at Ben's at Ben's place, and I kind of was there just to make sure uh, everything went smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate, by the you way. Know, <laughs> the I just, I mean, you know, I just wanted to support you in some way. And in, in, uh, I know you, you, I mean, you taught well. I mean, you, I think everything went went pretty good that day one. And then um, my biggest fear is whenever we do workshops is something, you know, I'm trying, hopefully nobody gets hurt, you know, like yep. Yep. whether they trip or I, I don't know. I mean, there's like, you got a, there's a gun, there's knives, <laughs> you know, like that's my biggest fear. So I'm like, I'm always kind of on high alert during workshops of making sure everyone, you know, everyone's, uh, ha- having a good time and, and it goes pretty smooth. So the whole time I was kind of like looking around and making sure, <laughs> you know, I guess I was kind of paranoid, but, uh, no, I was know. paranoid. Plus, plus it, I was there it, for that. For, yeah, it rained on us all day. All I could, all I worried about all day was people were going to slip and slide in the mud and fall down the hills. It was, it was fine. Everyone was having a good time, and everyone seemed seemed to enjoy it. And the coffee was good, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally figured out the well situation. So I put out a video uh, talking about my well that I, we were having no water and low water, and we I know we talked about a little bit about it on the last podcast where I was trying to figure it out. Um, and I know you mentioned it on the last podcast, Al, did you check your filter? And, uh, and I did, I did, I checked my filter. I cleaned it out and I was, we were still having issues. And so that's why I never thought it was my filter. But what (laughs) I did not do was take my filter out and turn on the water and seeing what it does. And that's that's what the issue was. First, I had to change the pressure switch, <laughs> which it, it was pretty easy. It's pretty easy. I never done any of that before. Um, the pressure switch is pretty easy to figure out. And so I had to go to like three different places, find the pressure switch. You know, of course, everybody sold out of pressure switches around here. And uh, I finally found one. 
I even bought a bigger pressure switch because, you know, after going down the rabbit hole of YouTube and figuring it out, um, and also shout out to a YouTube channel called H2O Mechanic. If you want to know anything about wells and like pressure tanks and everything, H2O Mechanic, this guy is like a wealth of knowledge and the way he, he talks about it, it's just really simple and easy. And it's not, you know, a bunch of fluff, you know, it's just kind of like, this is what it is. This is how you change it. And that's what I loved about it. And so that, that helped me a lot. Um, so yeah, after switching the, or changing out the switch, we were still having way low pressure issues. Like it'd be coming and going, like it'd be fine. Like as soon as I turn on the water back on and then boom, it'll go straight down. And I, like, I couldn't even turn on the shower because water wasn't coming out of it. Um, man. So then, you know, you go through the emotions cause like pressure switch, you know, it's like, I don't know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, you know, it's not bad. And so in my mind, I was like, we had all this drought. What am I going to do? Like, I hope it, you know, hope it, uh, we didn't lose, we're completely dry well or something. And then, um, so then I switched out the tank. I got a bigger tank, a little bit bigger tank. Uh, and that was pretty easy too, to switch out. So switching out those two things still had the problems. And I was like, you know what? I got to call somebody. But I was always reluctant of calling anybody because every time I call some kind of well people or plumber or something, they can never come back, come out like, like I need somebody now to come out. Like, I don't need, I, we can't wait because this is a, kind of an emergency. And so every time I call somebody, they're like two weeks out. And so I called one company. They're like, of course, they couldn't come out for two weeks. <laughs> but she was, I was telling her my problem and she's like, I'm pretty sure your well dried up. Like that was her, that was her thing. Right. And she, I was like, really? I was like, I, you know, I couldn't believe it. And so she's like, well, we could have somebody out in two weeks or whatever. And I was like, okay. So then I called another company and both these companies got great reviews on Google. I just Googled a company, you know? And so the second company, a guy, called, a guy answered right away. And he's like, I told him the problem. He's like, well, it just so happens I got two guys coming through, like they were like almost right down the street. They were coming home from a job. He was like, I got two guys that are right down the street from you that, that are on their way home. They could stop by right now. So that, like five minutes after I talked to him, boom, they showed up in my driveway and I told them what was up. They checked my work. My work was, they said my work was fine. And uh, they're like, I told them I have a filter and they're like, let's see the filter. <laughs> they took out the filter and turned the water back on and boom, we had like all this great pressure. And he's like, I hate those things. <laughs> he was like, he was like that every time these little filters are the issue. Yep. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, so, you know, he charged me just to tell me that, but $180 late, $180 to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was so like, I couldn't believe it. He measured my well, which I, I, I didn't know how deep my well was, but it's almost 50 feet. It's um, about like ours. But, which he said, 
And also, he said there's 16 feet of water in there. Oh, nice. At that time. Nice. Which, and I was, he was telling me all this stuff about the well, which I never knew anything about the well because no one, it seems like you call somebody and they, they don't really want to tell you anything about it or they don't want to take the time. And, but this guy, he was actually pretty helpful. And he was just telling me, you know, he measured the well like that and stuff. And so, but he did say, you know, if this type of well ever goes out, like dries up, you're probably going to have to drill another well in another spot. Um, he's like, sometimes these wells, they'll last. He's, I've seen these type of wells last for a hundred year, a hundred years, hundred year old wells. And then some of them I've seen only last, you know, maybe half that or something. At least, you know, now I know, I mean, I know, I know more about my well than I ever have. And I know how to put in those, those things. And so it was, you know, it was a good learning experience. I was happy that, I did that, you know. Um, so I guess put I the filter back in? What's that? Did you put a filter back in, or they just tell you to leave the filters out? He told me to leave it out. He's like, don't even put it in. Because, it, well, it's like a pre-filter, so it's a small filter, and we have like a big filter, so it okay. hits that little one first, and and then it goes into the big one. So it's not like we have no filter. That's um, right. He said leave it out, but I, it's I still haven't put one in, but I think I – might just go get another filter, a, a brand new one, and put it in there. Yeah, was and it like then, one of those mesh metal screens? Yeah. Yep, I'm like a sediment filter, basically. I think yeah, I buy, might just buy a couple buy of them, keep them on hand. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just going to be, it seems like that's just the go-to. Check the filter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. but we have like double the pressure now because I put in that switch. And oh. like, like, it's night and day. Like, our whole house, like ever since we moved in here, like our pressure was okay, but it, you could tell like, you know, it could be better, but I didn't know it was, oh, you just got to switch out the switch. Really? That's all you got to do. But I didn't know that. What a relief. So you guys though. got rain? It sounds like. We got a little rain. Little rain. Yeah. Not, not anything to brag about, but. It was uh, gotcha. just enough to be kind of wet and miserable while I'm gutting a pig. Yeah. It was nice on butcher day. It was better than being, you know, sunny and, and 80 degrees. Right. I mean, other than that, I mean, the well kind of put a damper on my week and, um, you know, started to get back on that fence project. But uh, I could talk about the fence project next week. I should be done with it by next week. Nice. <laughs> um, Does that mean the dairy cow comes next? But That's just a... I'm just doing a hundred foot of hundred foot length. Like I still got way more to go. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like this is taking me forever just to do this hundred foot. Long. I mean, I got way more, way more things to do. Do you guys call, maybe this is a question for Al. What do you call, what do you call beanies? Al, do you call them beanies? Winter hat. Winter hat? Winter hat. Yeah. A toque. I don't call them a toque, but up where we a are, toque? a lot of people call them a toque. Yep. Tobo- what about toboggan? Is it a toboggan one? Is it that name? No. It's a sled. Toboggan would be a sled. Yeah, toboggan or, would be a sled. It's something like that, isn't it? Because I, I get people telling me all the time, it's not, called a, it's not called a beanie. It's called a toboggan or something. I've heard I don't know. beanies. I just call them a winter hat. Well, the reason why I say that, because we have, uh, I, 
I have uh, some brand new beanies in our web and our on our website. Some sold lamb <laughs> beanies. Every year I, I get a batch of beanies and, and they do pretty well for us as far as um, selling them. So people seem to really like them. So I, I don't I don't buy a whole lot of them, but I do buy some. So that because every time I say like, "Hey, we got beanies for somebody," always kind of corrects me and like, "Oh, they're not called beanies. They're called." It d- depends where you're at in the country. Oh yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe it's in Canada. They they call them something different. But yeah, I've always get down in the comments and let us know. Yes, let us know, please, because I I think it was I thought it was a toboggan or something like that. I thought maybe that's what you call them now. I wonder if it's toque. I think that's like a Canadian. I never heard that one. No, I want up where we live right now is up with like an hour from the Canadian border, so we have like a lot of. French Canadians and stuff here and a lot of French people. So I'm assuming that's where that word came from, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Like depending on where you kind of live in the country, there's certain names for things Mm -hmm. that I never realized until we moved out here. Food's the other one. Like, like what you call, like we call shepherd's pie. We'll make it with ground meat. Well, if it's pork or hamburger, whatever we have, everybody's like, that's not shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pies with lamb. Yeah. You got to have brown lamb, or you know, it's you got to yeah. do this, you got to do that. It's like, that's what we call it. Our or scrapple American. and liver mush. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> scrapple, liver mush. I mean, there's there's all these different names for the same food or the regional version. Yeah. Well, now I'm curious, how do you make your shepherd's pie? Because like shepherd's pie is one of my favorite dishes, and I want to say last time Meg made shepherd pie, people are like, that's not shepherd's pie. Yeah, so now I'm curious. How do you make your shepherd's pie? So our shepherd's pie is cream corn, ground usually ground pork, and mashed potatoes. My mother-in-law used to put peas in it, but I grew up not eating peas, so I'd go over to my mother-in-law's house, and I'd always pick the peas out. So Gina, growing up as a kid, and all her sisters hated peas, but the parents would make them eat the peas in the shepherd's pie. So, like, couple of months after we've been dating, dating and eating shepherd's pie, she saw me always taking the peas out. So ever since then, she's never put peas in her shepherd's pie. And Gina's like, what? We had to eat that when we were a kid. That's a good woman right there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, shepherd's pie around here is usually ground beef, kind of like a, a gravy yep. ground beef, mm-hmm. uh, mashed yep. potatoes on top, some more gravy on top, um, usually carrots. I think she used to put peas in it, but I I I put my foot down, so now there's no more peas. But I don't mind the carrots; uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Creamed corn, huh? That's uh, yeah, that's probably pretty. So that's good. how I grew up. That's how I grew up, and that's how Gina grew up. Her mother grew up making it too. Is creamed corn. Hmm. Wow, I'd give it a yeah, try. That's about us, we we do like. We yeah. do the ground beef. Sometimes it's chicken. Chicken. Sometimes so we have like, like leftover. I would say like chicken is almost leftovers. like, what's that like? Leftover Thanksgiving dinner casserole? Yeah. Which is delicious. Or like turkey or something yeah. like that. Make a shepherd's pie out of it. Yeah. Turkey stuff and mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberry sauce. Yeah. See, I, didn't grow up, I didn't grow up eating uh, shepherd's pie. I grew up eating uh, frozen Marie Calendar pot pies. <laughs> <laughs> chicken pot pie is good too yeah so have you guys have you guys heard of contra dancing contra dancing no (laughs) nope it's like a folk it's a type of folk dancing from like the 1700s 
Okay. So like, we just went what, we just went contra dancing this weekend. What nationality? Like what country? I think it's I don't know what well I think it's from like it's a mixture of like European uh, um Scottish um uh, type dance. I think it's maybe it's mainly like kind of Appalachia um <laughs> area. I mean we've we've been to it before and like there's these like various spots sometimes where they'll be like there's like contra dancing and it's kind of like a group where like if you are, I guess, I guess if you're like shy or if you don't want to ask anybody to dance, go to a contra dance, and it's almost like it forces you to dance with other people <laughs> <laughs> because you might have a partner, but then like the contra dance is like it's kind of like square dancing, I guess. Yep. Uh, where it's like there's a caller, there's a guy like talking and he's like okay now do si do you know <laughs> it's it's actually pretty fun like at first you're kind of like i don't know about this but then there's so many people there and it's like families it's you know kids are there and everyone's everyone's there dancing and and you're just kind of you're holding hands like you're going in a circle like all these things it, it's actually pretty fun i would recommend it if anyone wants to go <laughs> Did you do that on Sunday? The yeah, we did on Sunday. That's you might cool. you might have seen a an Instagram reel here and there. Yep. <laughs> now we have to go look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go check that out. No, it's pretty fun though. I mean, they had even a live they had a live band there too. So that made it more more interesting, you know, more fun. You got dressed up for it? No, there was nobody dressed up. Um. You could if you want to, I guess, but everyone's just kind of there, um, just having a good time. Just you know, it was kind of funny because when we first got there, one of the first dances, we're like, I guess we're gonna, you know, let's, let's get in there, let's let's start dancing, and uh, so you like you kind of switch partners as you're doing different dances. Like, okay, now switch partners, and, and you kind of go in a circle. And so there was like this lady, and she had her son, and she and we we're like. And then me and Lorraine were kind of going in the circle, all holding hands, and the you know, music's going. And she's like, hey, I watch you guys. I watch your channel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's like loud. And we're like kind of like dancing, like going around in a circle. And I'm like, oh, like I couldn't barely hear her. And I was like, what'd you say? <laughs> and she said, oh, we watch you guys on, on YouTube. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and then like, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> that is funny. It definitely will get you out of your comfort zone if you go to something like that. So what's going on, Al? Winter should be here shortly, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah. I guess, however you look at it. So we got a new side-by-side -side this year. We switched from the Kawasaki Mule, and we got a Can-Am Defender that's enclosed. Um, How do you like it? I like it. Compa compared, compared to the other one. Compared to the other one, the other one, the biggest reason we didn't like the other one is it's more like a golf cart and it's made for big people. It's a bench. It's got a big bench seat and you can't adjust that bench seat. And I'm the tallest one. I'm like five, seven. Gina's probably like five, two or five, four, you know, and Olivia, she's short like us. So try to drive it around. You got to scooch forward and stuff. So that's probably like the biggest downfall for every day. And then when I got it, 
I put heat in it. I bought an aftermarket heat, like an accessory kit to put like a blower motor and ducts in it. And then we got half doors for us. So we can use it in the winter and tracks. Well, the heat didn't work. Like you'd put your hand over the blower and like your fingertips, if they were frozen, would get a little warm. They wouldn't even warm up. So we were like, we kind of like finally bit the bullet and we got the enclosed cab Can-Am just because, you know, up here in the wintertime, it can get 20 below zero. And we like to be outside and those, that stuff, but you want to be able to warm up at the same time. So, so do you trade that in? Do you switch, do you just switch it? Yeah, we traded it in and we had to pay a little bit more for the, the Can-Am because it's enclosed, but the Can-Am has a windshield with wipers. The Kawasaki, I got a windshield for, but I can never find a windshield wiper, which was kind of a pain, especially when it was raining. Um, they have half doors, but you couldn't get, we got like a top for them, but they were like a plastic one for like a, kind of like, it reminded me of like a Jeep Wrangler if you had a soft, soft top. Yeah, and you had like the the plastic door. So in the wintertime, I mean, they would just you couldn't see out them. Yep. And they were zippers. Um, if we wanted to get a cab, it was like an aftermarket cab that made me think of like a um, bank money truck that's just like square and boxy. If you put the cab on it, and it was like they wanted like ten grand for the aftermarket cab, and I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So we, Does it, we up- it has regular wheels or the track wheels? We, so we it came with regular wheels. This week, what I did is I the tracks. We bought tracks and we did the mule. So that I was able to put the tracks on, but I had to do a retrofit. So I had to change out the center sprocket was different, and then I had to get different mounting brackets. So that was one of the projects I did this week. Is we switched all that over because I'm like winter's going to be here soon, and this is probably going to be like an all day project. So. I want to get this done before we get any snow. So we did that, switched it over. It doesn't. So the Can-Am rides really nice. Like with the tires on it, it's smooth. It's got a nice suspension that comes with 30 inch tires from factory stock. Nice. And it, it hand, like you can, you can be going like 30 down the trails and just like, so it's, it rides nice. We put the tracks on and the tracks on the Kawasaki were, you you enjoyed it well now you got the can-am that's like a nice luxury kind of like ride and you go to put the tracks on it's like oh this isn't as much fun, as much fun because <laughs> it's just noisy and noise. <laughs> but you should you should get some tracks and put it on that mini truck i want to i would love that might be a winter project this year the I've only, seen them. The only cool. thing with our mini truck is it's two-wheel drive is yours oh, four-wheel drive yeah yeah. So most of the time with tracks, you can get away with two wheel drive and you don't need four wheel drive very often. Mm. But every once in a while you do need, but it'd still be fun to kind of, cause you lift it, it'd be lifted and have tracks on it. So that might become a project. We'll have to see if we can find a set of used tracks. So we put the and tracks you, on. What was you that? You use your, uh, your new shop to do that, right? Right. The mini truck does need to get into the shop. We need to rebuild the carburetor. And I got to drain the gas tank and see if I can clean it because the gas tank's pretty dirty. You get down to like a quarter tank of gas and it doesn't like to run. And then it's got an oil leak. A bunch of rust. Yeah, I'm sure there's something nasty. And I think it's like an 80, 86 maybe. Oh, yeah, decades of rust and grime. So that'll be a project once we get the shop up and going completely. But so I took the side-by-side out and we got a beaver. So I'm you glad we got one. Yeah. Saw it's, in the picture. it's in the freezer. 
We haven't eaten them yet. So. <laughs> That's for Christmas? Is that right. Thanksgiving? <laughs> we'll wait till we have company come over and cook it up and we won't tell them until after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, got, we got a chili cook-off at church. Maybe I should cook that up for the chili cook-off. Hey, you probably win the chili cook-off. Man, this is really good. What's right. in it? Huh? It's a family secret. Yeah. Can't tell Never you. had anything like it before. That was beaver tail right there. Right. <laughs> I went back up. So they were chewing down a bunch of trees like this. I got back up. Like this big. Probably like that. And like eight we inches, were keeping an eye on it. I'd say 10, 12 inches. It was a big, this one was a big popple tree. And then I went back a few days later and it was blown across the road. So I don't know if they came back and chewed it some more or if the wind just blew it over. How'd you catch it? So I, they're kind of like a big rat trap. They're called conibear. So it's like a, they're like two squares, and you flop them over each other. So when they go in it, it just kind of like goes and squishes them in half, and it's an, it's it's instant, just like a just like a mouse trap is to a beaver. But, okay, so it kills them. It doesn't just catch them. Right, it kills them instantly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's wow. the most humane way to do it. A lot of people get upset. They're like, you should just leave the beavers and let them have your land. Well, I'll tell you what, we have about a hundred acres of land that has been flooded out and ruined by them on our property. So it's like, no, you can't leave them. And they're, they're a rodent. They're rats. Basically. They just, you know, they can just populate and overpopulate. And the reason they have Flood to chew, which I didn't know this. Right. They have to chew because their teeth constantly regrow. And chewing is what keeps their teeth, which keeps their teeth at a good length or whatever you'd want to call it. Hmm, So I didn't know that. So that's how you spot a lazy beaver. He has a really bad overbite. Right. The one we got, he had, his teeth were really short. So like, yep, you've been out there chewing these trees down. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. He's a hard worker. That that one. They are, I forget how they put it there. It's not the most destructive, but they can do. They can change. How did they word it? They can. They're the second creature that can change the environment to humans. Other than us, the beavers can change the environment. Wow. The, uh, really? Next most animals. destructive yeah. creature, other than us. I believe it. Other than us, yeah. right? Is a beaver. Wow, that's amazing. I believe it. I saw a video the other day, and this guy was. This guy was showing what a beaver was doing to his driveway. Uh, he, I guess he lives up in, it was like Canada or something like that. And like this driveway is being blocked off. All the culverts are being blocked off all by just this one beaver. And he's like, if I leave this, I'm not going to have a driveway in like two weeks. Yeah, it's right. it's amazing what they can do. Yep. They're, you know, the saying, busy as a beaver. Yeah, that's a That's a real thing. <laughs> I think a groundhog should be up in there. Groundhog's right. pretty pers- destructive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it comes to your garden. Yeah. Over here. So I've been on Facebook Marketplace trying to find an old farm truck tree store. And I found, I don't know what year it was, but it was an old like Chevy or Ford box truck. And somebody had converted it into a reefer truck with a cool bot in it that had like, you know, I think it was like seven feet, four inches. And it was like six and a half feet tall. They only want two grand for it, so I'm keeping my eye on that. Ooh. I don't know if I'll end up picking that up or not, but well, it's pretty tempting kind of a, right there. 
right? With a lift gate, the lift gate works. It's not That's roadworthy. Like right? Not roadworthy, but it's drivable. So I'm like, yeah, we can find a place to park that and just leave it. But, what are you going to use that for? So butchering. So mm-hmm. harvesting the animals. We can have like a nice big cool room to hang up the pigs and let oh, them. Cool room, yeah. Yeah, you know, then you can do it any time of the not I wouldn't say any time of the year but you could do it and you want to worry about the weather or even if you could get a uh one of those um those storage containers those metal big storage like containers Connex. like those box. Connex. yep yep yeah find like a little cheap one i don't know nothing's cheap anymore no <laughs> no nothing's cheap Just be this, like, one, this one's yeah. all insulated that's what they used it for they used it wow. for filtering. Yeah, it was all insulated and had a cool bot in it had the walls all done. There was a stainless steel table in it. I don't know if that'll go with it or not. And then I had the lift gate and the lift gate worked. And I had, I had like a little bench. So I'm assuming they must have processed or did something and then put the animal on the lift gate and then brought it in because they didn't have a hoist or nothing. But yeah, I, was like, I can see that coming in handy. Yeah, it would be pretty oh, handy for that price. That's, cool. I mean, that's a pretty good price. Right. So we'll keep an eye on it. I'm surprised it hasn't sold yet being deer season and everything. Is it deer season down there for you guys? It's got to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think rifle starts this weekend. Yeah. We're currently in black powder, muzzle loader, So it's okay. about ready to get crazy. Rifle just started up here for us. And I think there's maybe like a week left of rifle. And then it'll go back to basically bow and arrow and crossbow. I think until December. Yeah, I believe rifle runs all the way till uh, the end of December. So... It's uh, it's game wow. on. Yeah, I, it surprised me coming out here, and it's like, what? Rifle season is how long? Uh, I think out in California, wow. rifle season was like two weeks, uh, and it's still like 90 yeah, degrees outside, so it was just miserable. How many deer can you guys get in your area? Uh, when you buy your hunting license, you get, I believe it's two, two bucks and four does. Uh, wow. I think a turkey... It's cool. Like it's a sportsman's license. So you get your fishing license, your, yep. you know, six deer tags, turkey tag. Like it's very, very worth the price of your hunting license. It's pretty incredible. So what's the price for that? Oh gosh. I'd have, I'd have to pull it up. It's like, I don't know, 60 bucks or something like that. $64. Right. I don't I know think... off the top of my head. Yeah. But for us, just the hunting license is that. If you want to get the hunting and fishing, you got to pay more. But the hunting license is a deer, which you only get a buck, one buck. You'll get beer, turkey, and then, you know, you got your small game and your gross and stuff like that. But I think that's like 60-something bucks just for... And just for that. If you add on fishing, it's probably like one and one twenty. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sure someone will be like, "Shame on you! That's not what it is." Uh, my wallet is over there, and it's got my hunting license in it. And I could tell you if I got a, up there and grabbed it. That's but, what it was five years uh, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. No, I, every time I go buy a hunting license for the year, I need to just buy like a lifetime. Um, but every time I go buy it. Right. I am shocked and I feel like I'm forgetting something because it was so expensive in California and all you got was your hunting license. Your fishing license was completely separate. And then your tags, you had to buy individually. You could only get one deer, one, one buck. Um, I mean, it was yeah. just like, by the time you get set up, it's like, okay, we're 
already a couple hundred bucks in. Haven't even left the house yet. Are the deer big down in your area? Or are they on the smaller side? Uh, it depends. I've so last year, uh, well, I guess that was the beginning of this year <laughs> uh, when we had our our hand hewn class back in January. Um, you know how you know things like to go crazy right before you have a whole bunch of people at your house. Well, we had to get our sewer pumped. Well, I'm standing here. <laughs> it was me and the two younger boys, and we're just sitting there talking to the guys while they're pumping our sewer. You know, it's, it's we're just those people, and the uh you know the older guy he real cool he knew all sorts of history about you know this area well the younger guy who's the guy you know having to reach in the hold and mess <laughs> do the gross job the grunt work he uh he looks up at me you know stops what he's doing he goes do you hunt and i was like yeah he goes you get any deer around here i was like not around here i was like they're around here i just haven't had a minute to you know shoot and deal with one and he goes, you want to see a deer from around here? I was like, sure. And he pulls his phone out and shows me this monster buck. Like this buck looks like, have you ever seen like Missouri bucks? Like they're insane. They're just huge. Well, he shows me this buck and I was like, where the heck did you get that? And he goes down the street right up here. I was like, you kidding me? He told me where, like it's literally down the street, like walking distance from my house. And he got this monster buck. So we do have some big ones around here. They're kind of few and far between, but. Uh, I would say generally, uh, just normal, normal sized deer, maybe hundred pounds on the big side. I don't know. That, uh, sounds about right. I've been seeing a bunch up here. I mean, I always see some on our property, but they're always, they always look small to me, but bigger than a German shepherd. That's for sure. Kind of like the size of a sheep. Probably when you're all said and done processing, how much meat you would get. Yeah. I'd say about like that. Yeah, I know. So I got a question for you. This is so I'll probably where you guys are. Do you have a lot of farmland that the deer are eating from, or is it basically they're out eating? In the, that would in depend the woods, on think? that depend on where you're at. There are some areas that there's a whole lot of uh, you know corn and soybean fields and stuff like that. Um, but like where we're at right here, our area, there's not really anything. You have to get further out. Yeah. I just one of the things I always think about, especially the people hunting out west for the big corn corn fields and soybean fields, is like, oh, I got you know, like, oh, I got my organic meat. It's like, yeah, it's it organic. Really you don't know what, you don't know what the wildlife's yeah. eating nowadays. Yeah, you know so what I mean? true. That's one thing I think about about hunting. And... We uh, we have some friends who own a deer shop, deer corn, and you know our friends at the deer shop. We've talked about that. They're like, yeah. You know, you can tell which deer were taken that uh, were eating corn and soy because they look a lot like a cow. Their fat is yellow and they smell different. They have a smell to them that isn't quite right. Uh, they're greasier and it's just like, well, yeah, they're eating corn and soy, GMO corn and soy at that. So, wow. you know, right. kind of the, the whole point. Corn yeah, exactly. So kind of the, the whole point of eating wild game is because it's generally cleaner well that's out the window when they're eating on a, a soybean field yeah that's tough i mean how would you know you don't i mean no where do they travel any idea like how far our deer travels because i know like for us we don't have any cornfields near like in like local vicinity but they're probably there's some good sized cornfields that are gmo and sprayed 
I would say five, 10 miles away. So it's like, yeah, they're probably eating on it. Uh, there was a podcast I was listening to a while ago. Um, and they were talking about like deer can travel miles, like miles, like 20 miles, um, stuff like that. And they were also talking to, um, a, uh, I believe it's a doe where they give birth and where they raise their young, their young will stay within five miles of where they uh, were born like the rest of their life. So if you see a family of deer in the spring, you know, with babies, chances are those deer are going to be around most of their life. Yeah. It, it, that's a whole rabbit hole in its, in its own. If you start getting into, you know, deer and all that stuff, the life, cycles and movement of deer that's uh something i haven't got into just yet i'll say that's true about them having their babies and staying in the area because we had a fawn we had a doe have a fawn on our property and we see them almost daily and they just you know they'll take off and they you'll see them later on that day and they just stay in that general area on and off and we've been we've seen them all year so it'll be interesting to see how much longer they stick around but it's Sounds like they'll be there next year. Yeah, we've got a family of deer that they uh, the babies were born out in the woods uh, over here. And, you know, when we first got here, it was like two deer, um, two females. And then all of a sudden they have a couple babies. And this year yep. it's the same family, but now they're like, I don't know, 10 deep. So... Uh, they're obviously nice. sticking around. Uh, the problem I'm having, though, is they're going to have to be thin soon because they're starting to eat my orchard. And I was like, hmm, that ain't going to happen. Right. Guess we're going to fill some tags this year. How many does did you say you can get? I believe it's four. Uh, wow. There is a season for it. Um, yep. There's like a, a general season where it's buck or doe, and then there's the limited where all you can get is a buck. Um, so I think it's this weekend starts the the general season. I'm probably off on that. I need to go look at the the actual chart. Um, but it's like right. you can get either sex for two weeks, and then from after that, then it's just buck only. Well, I'll add that in the middle of teaching pig butchering class and butchering <laughs> a cow, and all of a sudden now I got a deer to deal with. It's just like that's been what it is every year. It's like yeah. people are like, "Do you hunt?" It's like I do but not this year because I've got pigs and chickens and all this stuff that I'm dealing with. Yeah. I like to contain my animals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we usually have so much going on during hunting season. I always like to hunt. I'm like, we always have so much going on during hunting season. I don't just, yeah, I don't go. I don't make it a priority. Like right now yeah. I could be out hunting. My father-in-law goes out hunting on our property. Sees we see buck all the time on the property. I get them on game camera, but I just, don't take the time. Someday I'd I love to see, take the time. I could see if I had like a nine to five job. Right. And I didn't really homestead. Like I would probably be all about hunting. Yep. Right. Like I'd probably be all about it. I've been noticing lately the deer had gotten closer to our house on uh, our security camera. Like they were literally like almost right out our window. <laughs> it, was, it was like, uh, what was it? It's probably like two in the morning. Then my security camera went off and it has a light on it. So the light went off and the camera at the same time. And there was two deer just staring, you know, deer in headlights at the light. And it didn't even phase them. They just looked at the light 
and then just continue eating. Like you thought it would, you would think maybe it would like scare them or they would like run off or something, but the light didn't even do anything. They just looked at it. <laughs> You're in the headlights. You know, something that does actually kind of make me sad is, uh, you know, how many gunshots I hear after dark you know, rifle crack. Uh, so it's like, are people out here spotlighting? Is that what's going on? That's, that's something. I don't know if you hear that over by your house, Jason, but I hear that a lot. Yeah. You know, there's people who target shoot, but generally target shooting is, you know, boom, boom, boom. Uh, but right. yeah, it's like since, since deer seasons rolled around, it's like, yeah, it's nine o'clock daylight shooting hours have been long <laughs> over. We had a friend who just was out West and he got a, uh, antelope and he goes it's good meat but he's like i like venison better he's like the antelope is very sagey and i was like sounds to me like you gotta make some breakfast sausage with that yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds good so it's kind of <laughs> i've always been just, curious got me thinking about that, right like hmm, would that make really good breakfast sausage or that's an interesting description like it it's sagey like i mean it's an antelope so it could be eating sagebrush all right well we're we're about an hour guys that was a good talk for not having a topic. I, I like the I like it just free free flowing. Right now we're in the one percent. <laughs> yeah, now we could have no topic. Before no topic. it was we're yeah. Now we could not even try. <laughs> we can coast. You know what? I think what's funny is we've been we've all been so busy. Like this is a busy time of year for everybody. Uh, usually, like we get together in our group chat and it's like, hey, anybody got any ideas? And the chat has been silent all week. It's like, yeah, we're all busy. So it's all good. We're busy, yeah. busy doing the things. If you don't it's want good. to be busy, don't get into homesteading. Uh, amen. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't bother. <laughs> Life was so much simpler with the nine to five, wasn't it? Be careful what you wish for. Right. <laughs> but then you think back, it's like, would you want that again, though? Heck no. Yeah. Like we're no. we're busy and we're always no, it's way worth it. Man, it's I'm totally worth it. So grateful for everything we have. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. cannot imagine going back to the nine to five and being in that rat race again. We're in a we're in a rat race, or we're in a race, but it's I don't I don't know if you'd want to call it a rat race, but you you know what I mean. We're constantly busy. We're always doing something, but it's completely different. It's on our own time, our yeah. own our own rat race, right. in yeah. our own height, in our own minds. One of those, you know, 80 hour work weeks, 100 hour work weeks I had. And, you know, it was the uh, the in between shower and hitting the pillow. I told Meg one time I was like, you know, if I can work this hard for somebody else, I can work this hard for us. I didn't know that, you know, my bluff was going to be called on that just in a few years. But that was right before we hit the road. And here we are. So it's a. Might not be working this hard for somebody else, but I'm working this hard for us now. Uh, that's pretty much how it is for all right. three of us. But you get to be with I your think... family the whole time while you're doing it, which is one of the great parts. You're not Amen. punching a clock and yeah. running away there and everywhere. For sure. Yeah. No, it makes it totally worth it. Cool, guys. I think this was a good talk. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll end it right there. I appreciate everyone listening and watching these podcasts. If you can, leave a, leave a review on iTunes or don't think you can do that. Well, I think you can do that on Spotify um, or any other uh, podcast apps that you're listening to this on. And also leave a comment, leave a thumbs up on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. 
Thank you guys for being here and hope everyone has an awesome, fun, exciting week. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Later.